everyone. Welcome to Northridge Church Online. So glad you joined us here today for this online service. So I want you to start by imagining that you are in charge of planning this amazing, huge parade for your community, for your town, for your city. And I want you to imagine that one of the main tasks that you have for that parade is that you're planning this parade for one of the most important people in your town. One of the most important people in that region. And your job is to celebrate their entrance, to honor them as they enter into the city, into the town, into this time. And so what would you do? Would you maybe have fireworks go off as they come onto the street or enter the the city? Would you have thousands of balloons released? Or maybe you would have jets fly over, you know, in formation. Or, you know, what would you do? And what would you have them enter in? How would you have them parade through the parade? Maybe you would have them in something like this, a, a fancy brand new sports car. Some of you might not be this kind of a a car person, you know, Corvette, Chevy, some of you are Ford, whatever, but a fancy, nice sports car that they could sit up on and everybody could see them. Or maybe you'd want to go even fancier. Maybe you want to get like a Hummer limousine. Yeah, one of those where they can stand out of the top of that. How amazing would that be? Or maybe you want to go more old school and you want to get like this regal, amazing horse for them to ride on. No matter what you choose, my guess is you probably would not choose what Jesus chose for his parade. You know what Jesus chose to ride in on, to enter in on? He chose a donkey. A donkey. How many of us would choose to ride in on this animal? Jesus chose a donkey. Well, today we're going to continue the series that we've been in that we are simply calling Dust. And the idea, the concept of this series is very simple. It is that as we get closer, the closer that we get to Jesus, the dustier we become from his influence. In other words, the love and the power and the influence and the teaching and the peace and the joy of Jesus begins to rub off on us the more we are close to him. And the more it changes us, and the more it changes those around us. And so the biggest thing about this series, maybe, is that we are walking through situations, stories, moments that center around Jesus. Specifically moments that Jesus was a part of that led directly into the time that we're going into right now, physically, right now, what we call Holy Week. We're walking through events that led directly to the time when Jesus was betrayed and arrested, crucified, and eventually resurrected on Easter Sunday morning from the grave. And so this is what we are doing. This is what we're walking through. So before I get to the story that we're going to talk about today, let me just say Welcome one more time to Northridge. Thanks for joining us online, engaging, listening, watching. And in whatever way you're doing that, whatever capacity you're doing that. We want you to know that Northridge Church is a safe place for you. No matter where you are in your journey with God. 
Whether you've been walking with God for a long time or you're kind of new in your faith, or maybe you're here listening, watching because somebody invited you to do this, and you would be honest to say, I don't even know where I'm at with my relationship with God. I'm not even sure if I have a relationship or if I even want a relationship with God. No matter where you are on that journey, we're just glad that you jumped in, that you chose to join in with us. So today, this weekend, is Palm Sunday. It's the Sunday, the week that we celebrate the triumphal entry, the parade that Jesus had when he entered into Jerusalem to a huge crowd of people. They're waving palm branches. If, if we were meeting in person today, we would probably give, be giving the kids palm branches to be waving around. Palm Sunday is when we celebrate, commemorate that time, that moment when Jesus entered into the city of Jerusalem to huge crowds of people shouting and singing Hosanna, praise to the King of Israel. And so today we're going to focus on that moment. So we're going to be in the book of John, chapter 12. And we're going to be starting in verse 12. If you'd like to follow along in your Bible or on your phone app, go ahead and get that ready. John chapter 12, we're going to start with verse 12. So here we go. I'm going to read it, and then we're going to talk about it. The next day, the news that Jesus was on the way to Jerusalem swept through the city. A large crowd of Passover visitors took palm branches and went down the road to meet him. They shouted, Praise God! Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hail to the King of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and rode on it, fulfilling the prophecy that said, Don't be afraid, people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming riding on a donkey's colt. His disciples didn't understand at the time that this was a fulfillment of prophecy. But after Jesus entered into his glory, which means after he died on the cross, rose from the grave, and ascended to heaven, they remembered what had happened and realized that these things had been written about him, about Jesus. So most of the time for Palm Sunday, I would say for most pastors, most churches, we tend to focus on a lot of different things on Palm Sunday, about this moment, about this event that's recorded in the scriptures. We might talk about the palm branches and how they honored Jesus. We might talk about how they laid their, their garments, their clothes down on the road in front of him to honor Jesus. We might talk about the phrases that they use, like, uh, you know, Hosanna and praise to the, to the King of Israel and, and blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. We might talk about what was going on there. I know that I personally have done a message, I can't remember how many years ago, but specifically talked about how the same people that were praising and waving palm branches and honoring Jesus at the beginning of Holy Week, some of those same people at the end of the week would actually call for Jesus' execution on the cross, would call for him to be crucified. I know that sometimes as pastors, as churches, we focus on all of these different things. But today I want to do something a little bit different. I want to focus on a part of the story that is often just ignored. It's, it's just overlooked. We never really talk about it. I want to talk about the donkey today. How weird is that? We're going to talk about the donkey, but I want to focus on the donkey in the story. So specifically, I want to ask the question, what does the donkey tell us? 
Not literally, of course. A donkey can't talk. Uh, although, if you want, look up Balaam's donkey in the Old Testament, and that donkey spoke because God gave him the ability to do so. But this donkey doesn't speak. But what I'm really asking is, what can we learn about ourselves? What can we learn about Jesus from the donkey in the story, from the donkey's involvement in this very important moment in the life, in the history with Jesus? So I want to suggest that we can learn three very important, very powerful things today. Number one, the first thing that we learn about this and ourselves and Jesus is that everyone has a purpose, no matter how common. No matter how normal or common or regular or just mundane we think we are, every person that exists has a purpose, a God-given purpose that God gave to them. So we have this donkey. The donkey in Jesus' day in that part of the world was about as common an animal as you're going to find. It was a normal animal that a lot of people, most normal people had. And the, the donkey was used for everyday life. And so this was, there was nothing special or, or different than, from this donkey, this colt that, that Jesus was riding on. And it reminds us the fact that every one of us, no matter how normal or common we think we are, that God wants to use us that he has a purpose for us. Now let me tell you that this event, Jesus walking into Jerusalem, proceeding into Jerusalem and the palm branches and all the people gathering there, it's actually mentioned in all four Gospels in Scripture, in the Bible. So there's four books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that are called the Gospels, and they're four different accounts of Jesus' life. Well, this account is mentioned, as I said, in all four of those gospel accounts. And I will read for you what it says about the donkey before Jesus rides on it into the city of Jerusalem. I want to read for you what they did, what they had to do with the donkey before it was available for Jesus to ride on. So I'm going to go back to the book of Matthew, chapter 21, verses 1 and 2. Listen to what it says. It says, As Jesus and the disciples approached Jerusalem... They came to the town of Bethphage on the Mount of Olives. Jesus sent two of them on ahead. He's talking about two of the disciples. Go into the village over there, he said. As soon as you enter it, you will see a donkey tied there with its colt beside it. Untie them and bring them to me. So did you notice what had to happen before the donkey could be used by Jesus, they had to untie it. They had to untie the donkey. And it brings up an important question, I think, that is really an important piece of this story. Before the donkey could be used by Jesus, the donkey had to be untied. And the same is true for you, and the same is true for me. Before Jesus can use us for what we were created for, and our gifts and our abilities, we first have to be untied. Now, we're not probably physically tied to something like the donkey was. We're, maybe we're prone to wander like the donkey was, but the donkey was tied so that the donkey would not wander off. But you and I, in our lives, there are different things that might tie us down and keep us away, keep us kind of at a distance from Jesus. 
Maybe it's sin. Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's a habit. Maybe it's a person in your life. Maybe it's a relationship that you desire but you know you shouldn't have. Maybe it's fear. Maybe fear of what God will ask you to do. Maybe fear of, of, of people and what they would think if they found out that you're a follower of Jesus and, and what they would think about and what they would say about you. Maybe it's doubt. Maybe, maybe you feel like you're not sure about who God is and what the Bible says and whether or not it's truly, actually true. Maybe it's shame. Maybe you feel unworthy. What is it that is holding you back, tying you down, keeping you from being used by Jesus to do great things? Everyone has a purpose. And the second thing I want to mention is this. In the story, the donkey gets overlooked. We sometimes just don't think that the donkey is that important. In a few minutes, I'll share exactly why the donkey was so important to this story. But maybe you're here and you feel, if you're going to be honest, like a donkey. Yeah, I can hear some of the jokes going on some of your heads. You're thinking of a different word. That's not where I'm going with this. But maybe you feel insignificant. Maybe you feel like you don't have worth. Maybe you feel like you just don't know enough about Scripture. Maybe you feel just completely you know, just incapacitated, intimidated by, by Scripture, by God's Word. You don't even know where to start, where to turn to, where to look if you would really want to start learning about your faith and, and your relationship with God, and, and you're just intimidated. Maybe you hear pastors or other people who have followed Christ for a long time, and you hear them pray, or you maybe hear them preach a message, and you think, man, I could never do that. I just, I wish I was that strong or that great or whatever the case is. Let me tell you, let me remind you, let me encourage you that the same power that any person who's been following Christ for a long time or a pastor or a priest or, or anybody else that you would look at and say, man, I could never do that. Let me remind you that if you are a follower of Jesus, if you've accepted Jesus into your life, if you've put your hope and trust and belief in him, if you've genuinely done that, then the power of the resurrection of the dead is actually in you. You have access to that. The Bible promises this. In God's word, he says this, that we have access to the same power that Jesus has. And so we can't get stuck and lost in this, this understanding or this thought process that, that we're not good enough, that, that we're not worthy that we need to just memorize more scripture or go to church more or whatever the case is before God can use us, before God can help us to do amazing and great things in him and through him and for him. No, God says, when you simply come to me in faith, God says, I can do amazing things, things that were impossible without me, God says, you can do all of those things with me. And so if you're here today and you honestly, you feel like a donkey. You feel like you're just a common, normal, you, you can't do anything great for God. Maybe you feel shame because you're past. You say, yeah, but, but Pastor Brent, you don't know what I've done and what I think and, and my past. Let me just tell you that Jesus knows. But he also, that's why he died and rose from the grave so that he can take away that sin, take away that shame so that you can be used 
in great ways for him. Don't let your shame or your fear or your doubt hold you back, tie you down. It's kind of like we sometimes get this mentality. I don't know if you remember those Staples commercials that they used to play. I haven't seen one in a long time, so I think that they've stopped uh, playing those on, on TV and commercials. But it was a commercial where people would run into problems. They ran out of ink or they ran into technical problems with their things or, or office supplies or different things. And then they would have this red button sitting there and it said easy on it. And you just press the easy button, so to speak. And all of a sudden, a Staples person would show up and come to the rescue and, you know, make everything all right. And I sometimes feel like, uh, sometimes that we get that idea about a pastor or a priest or somebody who's been following Jesus for a long time or, or has memorized lots of scripture verses. And, and sometimes we feel like when somebody needs to be prayed for, that we need to have a pastor or a priest there. Or that when we need to learn something about the Bible, that we have to have somebody that, that knows all of the Bible, everything backwards and forwards and all the ins and outs. Let me just say, I feel inadequate most days of my life to serve God. I know I'm not competent enough. I know I'm not worthy to serve God. Yet God calls all of us to serve. Now, my calling's different. I'm called to be a pastor. Your calling is probably different than mine, although... Some of you, maybe even today, maybe you realize that you are called to be in ministry. <laughs> Some of you are just scared you like crazy right now. But most of us, maybe our calling is not to be a pastor, but every one of us has a calling. Every one of us is called to serve God and to give Him our purpose in life. We can't sit around and wait on the easy button. We can't just call on the pastor for everything that needs to happen. I'm not saying I don't want to be there. I don't want to be involved. I do. I want to do that. But God has given us the power to do these things in His name, by His authority, if we've genuinely accepted Him. So I want to encourage you, just like the donkey looks like he is totally unimportant, he had great things to do. You have great things to do with God. All right, let's go to number two. What's the second thing that we learn about from the donkey? What does the donkey show us in the story? Number two is it shows us, the donkey shows us that Jesus is obedient to the will of God. Jesus knew God's plan and he followed God's plan perfectly. So I'll tell you that 500 years before this happened, before Jesus rode into Jerusalem on the donkey, 500, actually a little more than 500 years before that happened, there was a prophet, a guy named Zechariah, who wrote a book called Zechariah in the Bible, and he wrote of what was going to happen, how Jesus was going to enter in to Jerusalem that day. 500 years before it happened, he wrote what was going to happen. Let me read it for you. Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. This is what it says. Zechariah writes this, Rejoice, O people of Zion! Shout in triumph, O people of Jerusalem! Look, your king is coming to you. He is righteous and victorious, yet he is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. Again, that was written 500 years, more than 500 years before Jesus actually did this. What does this show us? It shows us that God has a plan. 
that God knows what's going on and that Jesus knew God's plan for his life and knew God's plan overall and that Jesus was following it perfectly. Even though probably most of us would not have chosen a donkey to use, even though probably most of the people of Jesus' day, they thought that he was the Messiah and the Savior, but they thought he was coming as a political leader, as a military leader. They thought that he was the Savior in terms of he was going to save them from the evil Romans, the Roman Empire that was controlling and subjugating them and their people and their nation, the nation of Israel. See, these people thought that Jesus was a Messiah in a completely different way. But little did they know that God had an even greater, even more awesome plan. Jesus rode on a donkey that day because he knew that's what he was supposed to do. This was the plan. Jesus rode on a donkey because that was God's will. And so let me just pause for a moment and ask, Do you know what God's plan is for you? You might be sitting here or listening or watching and thinking, I have no idea what God's plan is. Let me encourage you. If you don't know what God's plan is, it's very simple. I would encourage you, ask God to reveal it. Ask God to show you what his plan is for your life. There is one. It's not a question of whether or not there is a plan for your life, that you do have purpose in this life, that you're valuable, that you're worthy. That's not a question. God makes you worthy. God gave you a plan, a purpose in your life. The question is, do you know what it is and are you following it? The only way to follow it is to know what it is. And so I would encourage you, ask God to reveal it to you. Seek God's plan for your life. And by the way, when you pray and you ask God for this, my, I, I would guess that he's not going to reveal it to you audibly. He might. And my guess is, as you pray and do this, you can't expect to pray and say, God, reveal my life's plan to me. And then just, you know, God is there and he shows you everything in a moment. Probably not going to happen. You might have to pray for a few days, a few weeks, months, maybe even years. And it's not because God's not going to be faithful and he's trying to hide something from you. Sometimes we just need to be faithful enough and be ready to understand and comprehend what God is calling us to do. But ask God to reveal it to you. But maybe you're here and you're in a different boat. You kind of know God's plan. You know what God has called you to do or to be. That's awesome. My simple question to you is, Are you following it? Are you following God's plan for your life? I I want you to just, seriously, I want you to just pause for a moment and think about it. Are you following God's plan for your life? Not your plan. Not the plan that your spouse wants you to do. Not the plan that your parents expected you to follow. Are you following God's ways, God's will? God's plan for your life. Seek it. Ask God to reveal it. And do your best to follow it. So let's go to number three. What's the last thing that we learn about Jesus and about ourselves, about our faith, from the donkey in the story? 
Specifically, why did Jesus choose a donkey? Why, why did God choose a donkey? Of all the things that Jesus could do, could choose to ride in and enter on, why a donkey? Well, number three is we learn that Jesus came in peace to give us victory. Jesus came in peace to give us victory. It seems like almost an oxymoron. It seems like those two that line up, that you would come in peace, that you would come in surrender in order to give victory. But that's what Jesus did. So one thing we probably don't realize about donkeys, especially in the part of the world that Jesus was, and in that day and age, that time in history, donkeys were a powerful symbol of peace. So here's what happens. If a king wanted to come in and conquer an area, if the king came in with a sword and weapons and an army and wanted to subjugate and wanted to control and wanted to take the people out, if the king came in violence and in fight and in war, then they would come riding on, do you know what they would come in riding on? You already know, don't you? They'd come in riding on a war horse, on a powerful animal to demonstrate their power and their prowess and their ability to control the area and the situation. But if a king came in riding on a donkey, it was a clear and obvious message that they were sending, that they came in peace. If a king was coming into a territory or a region or a city in order to sign a treaty, a peace treaty, or, or to negotiate to avoid war, to avoid destruction, to avoid punishment and death and all those things. If a king was coming in in peace, they would ride in on a donkey to demonstrate that they were not coming to threaten, to destroy, but they were coming in surrender. They were coming in peace. And this is what Jesus did. And think about Jesus. Jesus is the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings. We hear that him called that in Scripture. He is the Lord of Lords. He is the King of Kings. You cannot get more important than Jesus on any other person in the universe, on the planet. And yet Jesus humbles himself. He takes the lowly position of a servant comes in peace, riding on a donkey, to show everyone that yes, he is the Messiah, yes, he is victorious, yes, he has all the power available to him that he could ever possibly imagine and have, yet he chooses to come in peace. So in just four days from this weekend, from Palm Sunday, we're going to have the first time ever in the life of our church, we're going to have an online Monday, Thursday service. And Jesus is going to kind of continue this same theme of surrender and being a servant. Jesus, we're going to commemorate the Jesus' last words and Jesus' last actions at the Last Supper on that Thursday before he was arrested and betrayed and crucified. I hope you'll be able to join us for that service. And during that service, we're also going to offer communion to you wherever you're watching or listening in your home or uh, with your family or, or if you're by yourself. It doesn't matter. All, whatever you're, however you're going to do that and engage in that worship service on Thursday. And by the way, that service is going to be recorded. We're going to premiere it. 
And so it'll be available at a certain time, but then it will also be available after. So you can you can do that with your family. It's a little over 20 minutes long. It'll be around that time and a little less than half an hour. So it's not a long service. Hope you can enjoy, enjoy that together. But if you haven't signed up for the communion elements and jumped in with that, there's still time to do that. You can go onto our website, click on the Monday Thursday service and order those supplies. We can get those to you. But I hope you'll be able to join us as we learn even more about Jesus's last words and how he became a servant, how he surrendered himself to us in an amazing way. But I want to end by giving you this thought. So we could travel all over the world to different places, different great cities of the world. And what we would find in most of those places is we would find statues of great heroes, of great people that did great things, but usually did them in great power and in conquering and military and through violence and war. For example, if you would travel to Rome, Italy, you would find a statue of Marcus Aurelius sitting on his war horse in power. If you would travel to Portugal, you would find a statue of King John I sitting on his war horse. If you would travel to China, you would see the great general Yu Fei sitting on his war horse in power. If you go to Colombia, you would see Simon Bolivar sitting on his war horse in power. To Mexico, you'd see Pancho Villa again riding his war horse in power. If you go to Germany, you'd see Otto von Bismarck riding on his war horse. If you go to Washington, D.C. in the United States, you would see who? George Washington sitting on his war horse. All of these people were conquering heroes. They came in and subjugated and controlled people through power, through violence. But what's interesting is something that we probably don't think of very often is this. If you think about all of those, with the exception of the United States, mainly because the U.S. is a fairly young country in the scope of world history, but if you think about every one of those, with that exception, all of those men, of course, are long gone. All of these nations and empires, they've either disappeared or changed in the system, the nation, the empire that was initially set up. They're, they've gone. They're gone. Now, the country may exist, but what they did didn't last. It's passed on. But Jesus is different. Jesus came in peace but still resulted in great victory. Jesus came in peace riding on a donkey in order to give you and me, all of us, the greatest victory that we could ever imagine, victory over sin and victory over death. Jesus came in peace. He surrendered himself. He became the servant, the sacrifice for us. He died in our place. He rose from the grave to defeat death on our behalf for us, for you and for me. And Jesus' kingdom will never end. It has not ended, and it will never end. Amazing, isn't it, that Jesus rode on a donkey? 
to show he came in peace to surrender his life to us, for us. And yet his kingdom, his salvation, is the one that will last forever. So I want to end by asking you a really important question. It's one of the most important questions you'll ever have to answer. Jesus gave us a powerful, amazing example of surrender, of humbling himself before us so that we could have salvation from sin and power over death. But my question to you is what do you need to humble before God? How do you need to humble yourself before Jesus? Think about it. What have you not surrendered to Jesus? What have you not given up, released control of in your life Are you still holding on? Are you still controlling? Are you still tied down and not able to be with Jesus and to be used by Jesus and for Jesus? How do you need to humble yourself before God? Answer that question. Follow up with action. Jesus surrendered himself for you and for me. Now, he asks us to do the same for him. Will you do that? Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for being such a powerful example of a servant, of coming in peace, of surrendering your life for us that you took on the sin and the shame that we have in our life. You took it upon yourself, and then you died a horrible death so that we could have freedom, so that we could have forgiveness of sins. Thank you for surrendering your life for ours. Now, Jesus, I pray that you would help everyone watching and listening today to do the same for you. Help us to surrender. Help us to humble ourselves you so that you can do great things in us what we were created for and to be and who we were created to be if there's anybody here who is held back by shame or fear or doubt or anyone who is held back by sin or addiction or anyone who's scared of a, of a certain person or group of people and what they might think of them God, I pray that you would help them to release that and surrender. Come in peace to you so that you can give them victory in their life. We pray this, we ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Well, don't forget, a week from this weekend, next Sunday, we are going to gather together as the church and we're going to celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus. We call it Easter. It doesn't get bigger. I hope you can join us. We look forward to seeing when we all gather together. And always remember, I love you and God loves you.